Uh, I'd like to read from Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 to 8. It's talking about a time for everything. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear, and a time to mend, a time to be silent, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. In a rural area such as this, you've got change taking place all the time. I mean, we don't notice it so much in town. Uh, you see the odd tree that bursts into blossom, that sort of thing. But out here, it's all around you and you see it all the time. Um, it never ceases to amaze me that um, you're in the middle of summer and yet some trees have got buds on them. Um, it always takes me by surprise. I think, my goodness, why is that tree anticipating uh, next spring, looking ahead to spring? So... It's, it's good to be in the open air, in the open countryside, I think. Flowers blooming, leaves falling. As the writer of Ecclesiastes says, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity. Although the truths found in God's word are constant, he uses different methods at different times to accomplish his purposes. It's our job as his people to hear his voice understand the times and know how to respond. I had my one of my sons and daughter-in-law up with us recently and uh, um, God's done some amazing things in their lives but they're still sort of teetering on the brink and they said to me very pointedly, have you ever heard God? So I thought to myself, well, this is a hot potato. Um, well, I was able to tell them, yes, I have. Just once has he spoken to me and I was so uh, shocked, I was in the back of a church and I knew there was a wall behind me, but I was so shocked to hear him talking to me that I had to turn around and look, but I was looking at a wall, there was nobody there of course, but nonetheless I heard his voice and uh, what he said was what I was in desperate need to hear. Um, so yeah, I was able to tell them that, but of course that's... It's not the way God talks to us mostly. It's Bibles, readings, friends talking to you, people giving testimonies like we heard this morning about chicken that suddenly appear like that out of nowhere. I mean, that's a chance in a million that someone's going to come and give you a chicken when you've got no food on the table. So, yeah, his ways are not our ways. And uh, if you do hear his voice, that's, that's wonderful. That's something to treasure. But there are so many other ways in which um, he talks to us. Although biblical truths are universal, the application of them can be individual and personal. What he asks you to do may be different from what he asks someone else to do. Um, I used to go to Pildenborough Hall. I don't know if you know it. It's up 
um, near Seven Oaks, and um, we were up there one day at a conference, and I had a friend with me who'd come along, and uh, all of a sudden they said in the middle of what they were talking about, we badly need a handyman, someone to do a bit of plumbing and different work, a bit of carpentry, and I thought to myself, well, that's not me. You know, I'm pretty useless at DIY. Um, and I looked at my friend and I thought, and it's not him either. He, he was a gold watch case maker, an extremely skilled tra uh, trade. You don't get many. I think there's one or two in the whole country. And all of a sudden, his face beamed. And afterwards, he said to me, that's me. They want me up here. And I thought, are you sure about that? I mean, with all your expertise and gold work, surely you don't want to be up here doing a you know, bit of plumbing and a bit of handiwork here and there. He said, no, I, I feel sure the call is for me. And so he went and saw them, um, volunteered to move, move his house from Breed um, and go and move up there. Um, and he went. And I was uh, taken aback at what he had to do up there because it was a house that had been bought by one of the sugar barons, Tate and Lyle, and it was old and all the catches on the doors and the windows and all the plumbing and the electrics and everything was antique and an ordinary plumber or carpenter would have been lost on it. But of course, this, this friend with his expertise and all his equipment and machinery if, if a catch went on a window, you couldn't go down and buy, he could make one. Um, so for many years, he was up there sorting that huge house up. And the work that it did was quite marvellous, really, because many, many people went there and found the Lord. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I, it wasn't for me, and it was for him. So God picks us and chooses us. And when we hear something like that, we've just got to weigh it up. Is it me he's talking to? We should never be concerned if God asks a friend to do something, but not us. There will no doubt be something else that we should be doing. Um, my wife Edna used to belong to the Christian Lunch and Dinner Club in Rye, and they were having a new committee, and uh, she said to God, I don't want to be in the kitchen. I've had enough of kitchens. I've got a family of five boys. Can I be a treasurer or something? Well, they had the meeting, and what do you know? She ended up in the kitchen. Um, and what do you know more? Um, one of the first speakers they had was Delia Smith. Now, who would like to prepare food for Delia Smith? <laughs> so it was a bit of a, bit of a shock. <laughs> it's a family joke that she cooked for Delia Smith. <laughs> We never got any comment from Delia afterwards, so she must have been happy, I suppose. <laughs> uh, Jeremiah the prophet reminds us that, uh, one, God knew what he would do in his kingdom before we were born. Two, he's called us as individuals and will help us complete our work for him. Three, our role is to, do, is to obey his word. His is to bring it to pass. So if he gives us a role or gives us an instruction, we don't have to worry about the results. Even though we don't think we're doing very well at it, as long as we do what he says, he'll sort that out. He'll make it work. The disciple Peter had an important job to do when God asked him in a vision to kill and eat what to Jews uh, were unclean animals. 
It was the last thing that Peter wanted to do and he protested firmly. But nonetheless, when he realized that he was being called to go to the house of Cornelius, a Gentile, and to make it worse, a Roman centurion, he went and preached to the centurion and all that were gathered with him. You remember the story well enough, the sheep coming down and the pigs of all things that Jews, of course, uh, don't touch. Um, but, not, you know, even though it, it was abhorrent to Peter, uh, he, he was obedient. What a kind of worms that opened. As a result, the gospel was preached over all the known world and continues to sp spread even now, 2,000 years later. So Peter obeyed, God activated it. And the Roman, the Roman country itself, uh, Italy, uh, became one of the leaders in the Christian faith, of course. Don't be downcast when you see the ways things are going in this country and much of the Western world. Overall, the gospel is still spreading and people are still responding in many overseas countries and miracles are still happening. We don't see them much in this country now. They are happening, sometimes quite small miracles, such as that chicken, um, those kind of things go on. But in overseas countries, miracles are fairly commonplace. Africa, India, uh, Sumatra, amazing things happen there. We don't get to hear of them often, but they're there and they're going on. We're told by John, the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes the innermost thoughts and desires. In our society, Bible translations and study guides are plentiful. And at times, we may take the availability of God's word for granted. However, the word of God reveals the very nature and heart of God. It's not something we read like a novel. We can't read the Bible in the same flippant way we read a novel. We engage scripture, engage it to be transformed into the likeness of Christ, the word incarnate, God and man. Hebrew 4 tells us the word of God is alive and powerful. It can teach us what, what, it, what is true and makes us, make us realize what is wrong in our lives. God uses scripture to equip his people to do good work. It molds and motivates us and can change us. We need to allow God's word to be on our lips and in our hearts so that we can obey it. It's good to grasp and learn bits of scripture. I find I can't retain lengthy pieces of scripture, but I can, uh, can contain several words. And these repeated are, you know, they're, they're watering your soul. In Deuteronomy 30, God says, Now what, am, what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it. No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you may obey it. We've just started a course at um, Beulah Baptist Church called God Unannounced. 
And what it calls on is each person to examine themselves. We've only got to about the fifth reading, actually, but the eventual aim of the course is revival. Now, I've never been in a revival. I've seen the results of it, and, and you will have seen the results of it. I mean, you get preachers and people like that, evangelists, with names such as Williams and Roberts, all Welsh names, Davis. Um, all this sprang from the Welsh revival. And um, many other revivals have come along, so we do see the signs of it, but I can't say that I've ever actually been in one. I've prayed for one. We prayed at Rye for, oh, years and years, seven years for revival, every Saturday morning. And it just didn't ever come, and it hasn't came come since I left, so they can't blame me for it not coming. Um, so I've got to come to terms with this. It's a sovereign act of God revival. We can't really bring it on ourselves, but the point of this course, which is with um, CWR, Crusade for World Revival, is that you can prepare for revival. And one of the things that God requires of us is humility. Humility and prayer and seeking his face. So um, we're all doing our very best to do those things. And even some of us who might think we're okay and no real problems find that, yes, we do have problems. We do have things in the shadows that we need to get rid of. So a lot of folk down there in Bexhill are turning things over and trying to free themselves of things that have happened in the past and are going on uh, e even now. So the eventual aim of that course will be revival. Um, I would like to be part of it, but I know from people that have been in revivals that it's hard work. It demands everything from you. You've got to drop what you're doing and you've got to spend time that you never thought you had involved in Christian work and spreading the gospel. Um, I don't know whether you... Um, whether you're likely to ever pray for it now. Revival was prayed for at Ashburnham, and that really happened. Not revival, renewal. And that actually happened. Because many of the churches in East Sussex um, have got a core of people in them that were trained and taught over at Ashburnham. So renewal is great, and, and I've seen it work. But revival, I don't know. But, um, well, we're hoping and praying and seeking and trying to... Uh, unveil ourselves and get on with it. So, um, just a thought. Um, if anyone talks about revival, don't say no. Say, well, maybe we'll try, but you can't be positive that it'll happen. Well, I don't think I want to say anything else. Um, I've learned a lot by coming over here this morning about one thing and another, particularly chicken, and I should carry that with me. <laughs> Shall we pray? Lord, help us to receive your instructions no matter how you give them to us and help us to accept that often what you want is for us alone and other people will have their own directions. Pray, Lord, that we'll hear your voice no matter how it comes, whether it be a voice or through your word, the Bible, or through a friend or through a reading somewhere else, Lord. We just ask your blessing upon us, Lord, and particularly upon this church and this congregation, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen.